0: Right, Welcome Team Encore. We've got an exciting guest on our podcast, one of the top instructors in the world, Jim McLean. He's been rated number three in the world for over 25 years. Um, and going through your your bio, Jim, kind of reminded me of that moment where Tiger and Phil were teeing off in 2002 in Eastlake. And um, the woman was going through Tiger's accomplishments on the tee. And at one point, Phil chimed in and was like, all right, all right, we get it. And Everyone just started laughing, but um, you've won every teaching award, and most of our listeners will be familiar with your name. What surprised me, um, and, and no offense to you, was just what an accomplished player you were, too. I just always knew Jim as the instructor, but going through your, I mean, from starting as a junior to your collegiate career to your amateur career. Um, at the club pro level, the professional level, you've made the master's cut, won over 12 USGA medals. Um, that was really, really cool to see. So, um, I guess if you just let our listeners know how, A, how you got into the game and learned it, I think that would be a great start for us.
1: Well, thanks, Steve. It's nice to be with you. I'm in the car, as you can see, uh, but it's nice to be talking with you. Um, i started in uh, seattle i grew up right next to a golf course i played all sports and then my dad was a good player he was an engineer for boeing aircraft uh, my mom played so i started playing i started having success as a, as a kid and nice. so i stopped playing baseball i continued playing basketball and then uh, you know i had a good you know won the state junior a few times and was successful in the. Western Junior, the US junior, and got a scholarship, four year scholarship to Houston. At the time they were the number one college program in the country. I played at Houston, uh, a lettered for three years. Uh, my my sophomore year we won the NCA. My last two years, well I, they also won it my freshman year, and then we finished second, my last two years at school in Houston. I won three college tournaments. Uh, I lived with uh, great players. And then, uh, well, I played with guys that won all four majors. Uh, Fuzzy Zeller won the Masters and the U.S. Open. Bill Rogers, my roommate, won the British Open. And one of my other roommates, John Mahaffey, won the PGA. So we had uh, on the team in Houston, we had 40 guys uh, in a dormitory when I started. And uh, five guys played. So it was really uh, competitive right at the school. (laughs) So, you know. That was a great start for me
0: that's amazing um just a little bit of high level how do you think about in terms of you know a golfer going to instructor um and maybe being concerned that hey the instructors doesn't have a great playing background should i be you know should i trust their advice and i know teaching and playing are two different you know things and you can be a great teacher and maybe not a great player, but you're obviously yeah. in that camp where you were both. So how, how do you think about that? Does that maybe make you stand out a little in terms of some of the other top instructors who don't have that playing background?
1: Well, I wasn't a great tour player, that's for sure. Um, I did pretty good in, in club professional. I mini tour stuff. I did pretty good. But um, I think a lot of teachers, um, coaches in other sports were pretty good. They played professional a level or top college goal, uh, top college football or basketball, I definitely think it helps a lot. But it doesn't mean you can't be a good teacher uh, without uh, playing credentials. Uh, for me, I look number one almost for the guys, the young people, boys, uh, girls that we hire uh, to have a playing background. That, not that they're great players, but they've been in the struggle, they've worked hard on their own games. They know what it is, what it's like to um, play in tournament golf, feel pressure. Uh, but if you are love golf and study it and have a knack for teaching, I think you could do very well as a as a professional teacher coach. But I think it's more difficult.
0: Right. Well, and you mentioned what what you look for in the people you hire. Um, one of the things that stood out was you had over 260 of your assistants go on to become head pro- head professionals, director of golf, director of instruction around the world. So those are your disciples. How how does that make you feel um, as someone who's had that much impact on so many up and coming teachers?
1: Well, I was a director of golf up in New York. Uh, I was in New York for 19 years in the Met section. You know, it was one of the- Definitely one of the top sections, if not the top in the country. So I had to learn uh, service at a high, very high-end high-end clubs. Uh, I have been very interested in uh, learning myself. So um, the training was very important for me as a head professional um, in New York. And then I brought that down to Miami when I started my first school at Doral. And we've had Monday meetings ever since. We do an hour-and-a-half training session every Monday. They've become pretty well-known, really. Um, that's been very important to us. Our young guys have a, another meeting they go to during the week. It's usually been a Wednesday or Thursday night for another hour of assistant training. Um, our assistants have a lot to do. We um, They do observe lessons, but then there's some very tough testing on on. The books I have a couple books I've written where they need to know it really well. Uh, so it's it takes usually a year at the facility to um, to get certified. Sometimes it's longer, but some some really advanced people uh, do it quicker. And then at my other schools now, um, the directors have been trained here, uh, but they then do some training now. I think we've done better with our written materials for teaching. And there's so many things they can watch on YouTube now or Instagram, so it's it's much easier to get trained.
0: And in terms of you know the Jim McLean Academy, um, for our listeners that that might want to learn more, like what's a typical day look like, you know, if they come and, and participate in in some of your instruction?
1: Well, one of the things we do more than um, almost anywhere else is golf schools, so we do. A lot of our number one school is a three-day school, um, which involves uh, on the golf course training as well. Um, We've stayed with that. And I think that experience for people, where they can immerse themselves in the golf learning experience for three days is really beneficial. Uh, I think we can get a lot done. Sometimes we do two-day schools. I also do some four-day schools. I used to do six-day schools, but that seems to be a little too much now but I do do some four day golf schools. Um, we have it at the Biltmore. Now I've uh, moved over to the Biltmore six years ago. We have uh, 17 teachers and seven assistants during the season. We keep 12 year round. Uh, we have another pretty big golf school over Miami beach, right? So we have two in Miami that's they're about 45 minutes apart. Yeah. So we, 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 obviously we do a tremendous amount of uh, individual instruction, one, two, three hour type of instruction as well.
0: Oh, that's, that's amazing. I And I know you have multiple locations, you know, some overseas and uh, mm-hmm. I think Korea and, and Spain. Um, so definitely our listeners check, check those locations out and find some dates that work for you. Um, what, what would you say? I, I know it's, you know, your game can't be transformed over a few days. But what are some experiences you've you've found your students have um, seen after taking the courses and and um, you know sharing their feedback with you?
1: Well, we we keep track of uh, the improvement that we get back from our um, you know questionnaires and and we do callbacks etc. So I feel like you know our our, our numbers been about dropping the handicap force four shots um because we do a lot of short game work putting chipping pitching bunker work uh during those three days which most people don't take putting lessons they don't take chipping lessons they don't take pitching lessons they know they should but they don't most people in private instruction are very interested in the driver and full swing uh that that uh takes up a, a lot of the private lessons in, in the wor- around the world. But we, during the school, you can do more uh, of, of the whole game and, and on course management and mental training as well. We can get some of that in. So, so that's very helpful. Uh, I am going over to my school in Madrid. And um, while well, I'm doing it, I'm speaking to the Spanish Federation on October 16th and 17th, but I'm gonna be at my golf school during that time in madrid it's at banco santander which is one of the biggest banks in europe uh they have a tremendous facility over there and i'm going to be teaching you know there as well
0: that's awesome so when did you say that date was
1: oh we're, i'm speaking for two days october 16th and 17th in madrid wow. i'm also speaking in paris in france to the french federation in uh the end of september end of this wow. month. so we we head over on September
0: 20th. That's that's really exciting. Um, just just kind of skipping um, onto the broader impact of technology and in instruction and golf. Just kind of curious how you think about technology and how do you how you utilize it with your students, um, and then maybe want to get your thoughts on where you see the future is going and kind of dive into a few technologies. I know there's um, some that we've worked on together, Golf Boost, um, and then the Genius Ball Project we're working on. So I guess, yeah, yeah, maybe just start with kind of how you use it today and then where you see it going, and then we can dive into some of those subtopics.
1: Yeah, you know, I love technology. I've tried to stay on top of, uh, you know, right on the leading edge of what's going on. So we've got new force plates this year. We just Uh, moved over it's called smart to move and uh, obviously very big on the video and we we have foresight quads and uh yeah so all that stuff's really important uh golf boost has been something with encore that i've worked on for many many years ago started with which is a unbelievable application and i i continue to feel like it's going to be successful because it's so easy for the user um just to flip on your phone and get good instruction i shot a lot of uh information for different parts of the golf swing on that so i'm hopefully that's gonna that's gonna work and then of course this genius ball that you guys are working on where it can give uh you know foresight quad information on on my phone when the person hits a golf ball you know that's really exciting and i know You're getting closer and closer to that. I'm I'm speaking to Keith later on today, actually, about the genius ball and and golf boost. So I know you guys at Encore are really doing some really, really interesting things. And, you know, particularly for me, I guess the golf boost was something like we started probably six or seven years ago.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of with golf boost, you, you know, you were definitely ahead of the curve on the AI. And now, you know, with ChatGPT and the, you know, you can't open a paper um, or newsletter without reading about advances in AI. um, And it's really accelerating. So for our listeners, definitely, if you get a chance, download Golf Boost, check it out. It was built, the universal swing methodology was was built uh, with Jim's input on you know the fundamentals of the swing right and and that kind of is a good segue um into the x factor um i know it's something you pioneered that that book and that system and and maybe just for our listeners that aren't familiar um a little bit of high level on that maybe how you started and maybe how it's evolved today
1: i wrote an article for golf magazine i was writing for them in uh the early 90s 1990s a long, long time ago. Uh, I wrote a t- book on the four turns on the golf swing, which was the rotation of the head through the rotation of the shoulders, the rotation of the hips, and the angle on your knee rotation on the back backswing. Um, they thought it was too complicated, so we went to two, two turns, which were the two big turns, the shoulders and the, the hips, or the pelvis. Um, the differential between the shoulders and the hips is called the x factor that uh, amount of difference between the two and then when you start down the separation of the pelvis from the shoulders that it starts ahead of the shoulders so the shoulders are still rotating back and the lower body is starting forward in a high level golf swing now that doesn't happen of course with everybody but um i knew i thought that with the shoulders and the hips that the ideal had been 90 degrees of shoulder turn and 45 degrees of hip turn. And a lot of people still think that's ideal, but it really isn't for um, the, the, the longer hitters, the best players, they rotate their shoulders more than 90 degrees. Most of them, not everybody, but most everybody more than 90 degrees up to 120 degrees of shoulder turn. And then the lower body, I had a, ratio way back then between 40 degrees and 65, and that's remained very close. It's less, actually. I, I kind of got criticized for too much resistance in the lower body with the X factor, but it turns out that yeah. some of the longest hitters have even less than 40 degrees of hip rotation, and then they get this huge differential, say, well, let's say out of the if we had 100 degrees of shoulder turn and 40 degrees of hip turn, that's a 60 degree gap. And then if you start a little bit with the lower body, that increases that gap maybe to 65 or 70 degrees. And then the shoulders can just rip through the ball. Uh, so it's definitely one way of looking at how to increase power in the golf swing or how to study the golf swing.
0: Yeah, and undoubtedly. Um a lot of that went over my head. Um but um <laughs> okay. I, I um I intuitively it makes it makes sense and, and our listeners I'm sure will will understand better than me. Um it's funny that you've identified these ratios that have held over time because um I just read about um a system that looked at tempo and found a, this three to one ratio where um all the greats from you know Jack, Tiger, Phil. They all have different you know, backswings and, and different you know, looking swings, but the timing of the backswing um, and the downswing, the downswing, I, I believe, being three times faster, um, that ratio seemed to hold across all the great players. And there's some apps out there that that give you the audio feedback so you can kind of time when you're at your top of your swing and when you're at impact and try to try to match up with some of those greats out there and improve your tempo. Um, and, and I know Bobby, uh, Bobby Clempit has been big on the impact and how, you know, all the greats are, are different, you know, different swings, but impact is, is pretty consistent. So, um, definitely a contribution on your part to, you know, analyzing swings and, and really noting those, those commonalities across all different kinds of golfers. Um, with that said, are there any new books, videos? I know you've had some big production crews over to your offices. I won't mention who because I don't know what's public yet. But what's kind of in the in the pipeline for fans and listeners?
1: Well, I'm I'm writing a follow-up to the X Factor. It's going to be, I think, X Factor Two. Pretty simple. Um, on um, what's the latest? The latest and greatest, the news on you know, biomechanics of the what the body's doing in the golf swing. Um, there's when I wrote the X Factor, I talked and the eight-step swing. I talked about the sit-down move and pushing up out of the ground, the hips rise. But now with ground reaction force out of biomechanics, uh, there's more information, better information. Uh, so I'm going to try and uh, get the you know the greatest latest information on uh the x-factor which the whole book was uh, what is the body doing in the swing because previous to the x-factor uh mostly was arms and hands what what's the shaft doing in the club face and, and and which is always a very important part of my teaching by the way but uh there wasn't anything really written about what is the body doing in the swing and we know that in top players more advanced players low handicap golfers that they use their body much much different than the higher handicap you know the beginners infrequent golfers uh they don't have a a sense of how to move the body or they're let's say they're not doing it so that 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 book is something i'm almost done with Uh, i've been working on that i'm working on these speeches getting ready for the season uh I just got back from a trip out west i was at my school in utah and then i went out to um the west coast and played a lot of golf out there great so i'm kind of kind of ready to get back to work (laughs) back in miami now and uh steve i've kind of got to run man i've got to go over here i'm uh but it's been great talking to you and i'd love to do it again
0: and i know you had you know you had some some unexpected things come up and needed to be in the car so our listeners certainly uh, will understand and appreciate all all the great insights. We'll link out to your to your site, your schools, and and add the link when the new book is ready. Um, but but yeah, this this was been been great. And just just real quick, um, the website for the listeners or the best way to find you online.
1: Yeah, uh, just jimmclean.com. They can get everything. Right. And then I'm McLean Golf on YouTube or on Instagram.
0: Awesome. Thanks for your time, Jim.
1: Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Bye-bye. Be well. Thank you.